Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition. I have done so many podcasts now (laughs) that I've got to go back and kind of comb through over 100 episodes to um, look and say, have I talked about this before? Because I think as most of you know, I do a weekly column. And I talk more specific about the financial side of uh, personal finance in my weekly column than I do the emotional side. I mean, I try to to mix it all together. But on this uh, podcast, I really try to get into the emotional side more. So what I thought might be interesting to explore are financial decisions that seem so clear that have such a huge uh, financial, a positive financial impact on our financial well-being that would seem in a vacuum to be almost no-brainer solutions that often are not made because they have so much emotional charge. Now, you could say this falls into the category of an illogical financial behavior, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. Uh, I'm trying to think about uh, hurtful financial behavior that this may fall into, and the closest thing that I am going to be talking about might uh, just not be making a sound financial decision. So what am I talking about? I think one of the most emotionally charged financial decisions that have a pretty obvious uh, a financial outcome to them would be moving from the neighborhood, city, or state that we live in. That is fraught with emotion. And sometimes that move could be, could absolutely solve so many financial pressures, financial stressors. And it is an option that I've talked a reasonable amount with clients and financial therapy clients, but it's typically a solution that is blown off almost without even exploring it. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. Let's suppose that you lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, and you earned $45,000 a year. And you've got a friend who lives in San Diego, 
who earns $70,000 a year. What are some of the immediate thoughts that might come to mind? Well, it could be that your friend is uh, more in demand or has a skill set that's more in demand in San Diego. It could be, well, it just costs more to live in San Diego. Well, I need to move to San Diego so I could earn $70,000. Typically, however, a person's going to assume that somebody earning $70,000 in San Diego probably has a little bit higher standard of living than someone who earns $45,000 in Rapid City. Well, all these assumptions, of course, would be money scripts, right? <clears throat> They're true in some cases. They're false in other cases. So the fact that you might think that your friend in San Diego uh, is enjoying a higher standard of living than you are on 70000 and you are in Rapid City at 45000 probably is not going to be the case. Now, would be the case if, if your friend lived in an area where the standard of living was equal to Rapid City. Well, then making 70,000 years over 45,000 a year would definitely give a higher standard of living. But the key here and what I'm trying to get at is even if the other person earns more dollars than you're earning, you can't accurately compare lifestyles without factoring in the local cost of living. Now, we kind of hit on this in a previous podcast when we talked about inflation, right? That we can't adequately judge statements made in dollars uh, without exploring inflation. We can't say, well, I earned a dollar sixty five in nineteen seventy one at McDonald's, wasn't I underpaid? Because our brains go compare those dollars to today's dollars and go, you you're kidding me. <laughs> That's impossible. Wow. Slave labor. But when we at when we factor that by inflation, we find out that was twelve dollars an hour in today's dollar. So it's the same principle with our brains of a salary is somewhat meaningless geographically spread apart when unless we are comparing the standard of living that that money purchases. So a person who's making or 70000 a year in San Diego may have a a budget that's really strained. They may be living paycheck to paycheck. They're unable to save money for retirement. They have a lot of stress around money. In that situation, if they were able to move to a city like Rapid City, their personal lifestyle would increase by 50% over living in San Diego. So in other words, the, the savings would be so huge that they could expand their lifestyle by 50% on the same $70,000.
And if you want to play around with this, there's a, a cost of living calculator at Forbes. You can just Google Forbes cost of living calculator and put in all sorts of cities and compare cost of living. So basically, and I'm talking numbers again, and I'll try to be very as clear as I can be with this. If I'm making 70 in San Francisco, I moved to Rapid City, South Dakota, and still making 70, it only takes me $45,000 to have the same lifestyle I did in San Diego. That means I've got $25,000 to do something else with. Uh, maybe I could start saving for retirement. Maybe I could start uh, putting aside uh, an emergency account. Maybe I could expand my lifestyle. But the point is, by just making that move, I could greatly reduce or eliminate my financial stress, enjoy the same lifestyle I had in San Diego, and potentially start saving for retirement or putting more money aside. Well, that's pretty huge, right? I mean, put it another way, I suppose in San Diego, I would need a raise to uh, a 50% raise to $100,000 to buy the same lifestyle in San Diego that I could live in Rapid City. So, now here's an even more amazing thing. The calculator, the Forbes calculator that I gave you, does not include the impact of state taxes which in California, on a $70,000 salary, and I'm going to assume that the person is married, because if they're single, the tax is significantly more, but uh, is a tax of $6,711 a year. Again, that's according to Forbes, and that's the Forbes State Income Tax Calculator. Now, in South Dakota and eight other states, there is no state income tax. And of course, the federal tax is the same, right? Whether you live in California, South Dakota, New York, wherever you live. So the tax savings from moving from San Diego to Rapid City increases a person's lifestyle who lives in San Diego by almost 100% if they move to Rapid City. Now, that's stunning. I mean, just stunning, right? There's no, cha no, no change of careers or professions. There could be a change of a job, but then again, there may not be. It's seemingly a pretty easy fix. Now, we know emotionally it's anything but easy. Another way to look at this is if this couple invested $6,711 in stocks held in an IRA for over 30 years, they would accumulate three quarters of a million dollars. And if both spouses earn $70,000 a year, that accumulation would be doubled at over a million and a half dollars. Now, this is substantial. This is big stuff. So, if you, through moving to another country, into this, it gets even crazier. By that, I would mean, say, a Central American 
country like Mexico, where costs are, say, I want to say maybe 50% of what they are in Rapid City. So, um, but that even uh, throws up even more emotional juice, right? So let's stay in the United States. So you might be thinking by now, okay, well, but don't jobs in cities that have higher costs of living, you earn more. Aren't, aren't they proportionately higher? In other words, the job that I'm doing here for 45000 would pay 70000 in San Diego. So therefore, it's Mox Nicks meaning doesn't matter. Or the job in San Diego that pays 70000 in San Diego, we're just paid 45000 here. So what, what's the advantage, right? Well, if that was true, there would be no advantage in moving. However, that's more often false than it is true. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> My financial planning firm competes on a national stage for financial planners. And for the most part, <clears throat> the salary of a financial planner in San Diego, what they're paid in San Diego, is the same as in Rapid City, South Dakota. Now, this is true of a lot of other jobs. There often is not a proportional difference in the salaries, <clears throat> which means people living in Rapid City enjoy a higher standard of living doing the same job as someone in San Diego. I mean, this doesn't make a lot of rational sense, but it's true. And it's true for a, a number of reasons that I'll get into in a little bit. But just from a financial perspective, taking the emotions out of it, which are impossible to do, I understand. But just from a financial pers perspective, the answer is pretty simple. If I can increase my standard of living by 100% moving to Rapid City, and there's hundreds, if not thousands of other cities that have the same uh, standard of living costs as Rapid City. It's simple. Move. <laughs> but the, the problem is that that although the, from a financial standpoint, it's simple and impactful. I mean, impactful, right? How many things can you do where you would double your standard of living? This is far from being a simple emotional decision. Like I said in my opening, whenever I bring up the option, the thought of, you know what you could do, you could move to Rapid City or a host of other towns. The response is typically laughter, like you got to be kidding me laughter or nervous laughter. And the, the topic is changed quickly because it's just like that is not even a consideration. Well, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of emotional reasons uh, we could explore here. And as you're thinking about this, you know, if you kind of fall in this category, uh, maybe you're 
struggling to make uh, your ends meet. You're not fully funding a retirement plan. You have a lot of financial stress in your life. Just think, what, what would happen if you were earning twice as much money? Would that help your situation? I would think it probably would, right? Now, if you've got emotional baggage where everything that hits the checking account needs to be spent because of a lot of trauma and things of this type, you know, we can argue that it doesn't, wouldn't matter how much you earned, that the stress would still be there. But from just a financial standpoint, if you could double your income, would that help things? Would that improve your life? And I would assume the answer could be yes. Okay, so move to Rapid City. Now, as you hear me say that, write down what comes up. What are the resistances? that you notice, and just take a, take a moment, pause me, and write down everything that comes up as to why you can't move. Okay, so maybe you have a few items, some big things as to why you can't move. I uh, once asked a colleague who lived in California, why do people want to live in places like San Diego with a lifestyle that's one-third to one-half less than living in Rapid City? That could mean fully funding retirement, lowering financial stress, improving financial well-being. Why would somebody choose to live there? And she wrote back, she says, well, we have to assume that people are not crazy that the markets ac accurately reflect value at some level. Okay. Well, there's definitely value. There, there's definitely a reason why somebody would make a conscious decision to live at one half the lifestyle in some other location. Okay. So there are things there that people see value in other than the money. And I'm going to suggest that they have a huge emotional charge. Now, she said she thought some of the reasons that people uh, would give up that much lifestyle is there's greater perceived employment and greater entertainment opportunities. Uh, specialized communities. Okay. Uh, greater perceived employment. Well, now this could be very true. Let's say if your specialty is in um, some type of aeronautic manufacturing or working with the space program or something of that sort where you have very, very narrow talents that you can only find those jobs in specific localities. All right. That makes complete logical sense. But as we said, uh, perceived employment, let's say with perceived, I'm going to earn more, may not be the case. It may be perceived only, not in reality. So that's something that a person needs to check out. Entertainment opportunities. Well, no doubt, there's a lot more entertainment opportunities in uh, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, San Diego, then in Rapid City, South Dakota. No question about it. But 
That doesn't mean there are no entertainment opportunities in other places. And there's a cost to those entertainment opportunities. I mean, going to a play in Rapid City is substantially less money than in San Diego. Now, you could argue that the quality is substantially less too. But how many plays are you going to be able to go to in those locales because the prices are so high, right? And if you lived in Rapid City, South Dakota, what would the cost of an uh, airline ticket be to San Diego or New York and taking in a week of theater? It, uh, I'm picking on theaters and entertainment potential. It could be incredibly affordable. So I know there's a lot of nuances to this and a lot of different things. For example, if your entertainment is hiking in the outdoors, well, you want to be in Rapid City. So, but, but this can be a big deal and it can be a big enough deal where a person says, you know, it's more important for me to be near this type of entertainment than to have twice the lifestyle or to be able to fund a retirement plan. Specialized communities, well, that's, that can be a big one. There's not too many specialized communities in Rapid City, South Dakota, where you can go to L.A., and if you want to be in a Korean community or an Indonesian community or any type of community, it's available there, right? And that can be a huge emotional tie. Why? What, what ties us there? I think when we get down to it, it's connection, right? A uh, sense of well-being or uh, uh, a sense of belonging. So these are, are huge. Now, she also said something else. There's no snow in San Diego. <laughs> well, that's true. I thought her uh, no snow comment was the most enlightening and fraught with emotional charge because apparently for many, 36 to 50 percent reduction in lifestyle. Turning it around means I can have a hundred percent greater lifestyle if I live in snow-ridden rapid city than San Diego. Now that I call that the snowflake premium. That's a huge, that's a huge emotional anchor, isn't it? But, you know, I've been raised in Rapid City, right? So personally, I'd rather bear a few weeks of snow each other and effectively earn 100% more than living in San Diego. And by earning 100% more, I mean in lifestyle. You know, many people must prefer to bear bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on snowless freeways. I'm just saying that these are things to explore. What is my resistance? Why? What's the, the stories I'm making up? Where are the money scripts I have around snow? And to some people, this is just not tolerable. But look, my point is, look at the financial cost of that. It's huge. Uh, some of my takeaway kind of from doing this type of investigation is that uh, when I'm advertising for financial planning positions in Rapid City, I need to... Uh, give a cost of living comparison, which I do, so a person can understand those benefits. I recently thought, you know, maybe I should consider adding a snow removal service to our benefits package. <laughs> okay. 
I'm being pretty facetious right now. But the whole point of this podcast is sometimes an easy and obvious financial decision can be super difficult when it is emotionally anchored. And it would be worth our while before we just blow things off. That's unimportant, okay? There's lots of things involved here. Um, it could be I got to take my kids out of school and, and take put them in a different school and all sorts of things where we really need to test those money scripts and test what our fears are around those money scripts, around those emotional anchors that could hold us in a position of continuing to struggle financially. So that's my encouragement to you is to take a look at that list that you uh, came up with and really drill down on it. Really ask yourself, what's my fear? What's my hope for remaining here and maybe remaining in uh, financially struggling? Uh, what's my fear about moving? What's my fear about my kids changing schools? And give yourself a real opportunity to listen very carefully to the parts of you that are pretty resistant around making a really great financial decision. Okay, thanks so much for listening. And I look forward to uh, talking with you next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.